This week on The Clubhouse, Anthony and I are back on the road. Our quest to check off the final ballparks on Anthony's 30-stadium list continues. But first, we stop by Cooperstown, New York, and the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame to pay our respects to the legends of the game. On day one of our trip, we visited the Otisaga Resort Hotel to chat with Director of Sales Bob Fowler. Bob tells us some stories of the Hall of Famers who have stayed in this stunning resort, as well as what goes on during induction weekend. Please visit otisaga.com to learn more about how you can book a room for your next trip to Cooperstown. Blue Jays win it! Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Got him! 20 strikeouts! He ties the Major League record! There it goes! See ya! I don't believe what I just saw! He's out by five feet at the plate! And that was the worst base running in the history Welcome to the show, everybody. It is a wonderful day for baseball. I am Manish Jain, and sitting next to me, as always, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. Hello. Our guest today has been the director of sales at the Otisaka Resort for 18 years. We are about to hear some amazing stories about the Hall of Famers who have passed through these walls right here in Cooperstown, New York. Joining us in the clubhouse today, Bob Fowler. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. <laughs> So first, we just want to thank you for, for inviting us into your, I don't even know what the word is to describe this picturesque, beautiful, ridiculously gorgeous hotel. Uh, and I've been to Cooperstown several times. This is Anthony's first trip to the Hallowed Grounds, but I've been here several times. And for those of you who have not been to Cooperstown, uh, the Hall of Fame itself is basically located on one tiny street. It's on Main Street. It's about one New York City block long. There are some stores there, there's some restaurants there, and then there's the museum, and that's it. As Bob was saying earlier, this is pretty much a one-stop light town. So I've never really ventured off the beaten path, aside from just going to the Hall of Fame and those stores. So I make basically one uh, right turn, then a left turn, and the, the image that I'm greeted with is this massive, gorgeous, built in 1909, I believe, building with red brick and red, white, and blue bunting, and it just screams baseball in America, and you are the luckiest man alive to be working here, Bob. Uh, well, the Otisaga's uh, been here for 106 years, built in 1909. Um, it's been owned and operated by the same family since its building. So, you know, James Forbes Clark is our owner, and uh, they've managed and uh, improved the hotel unbelievably. And standing on the veranda overlooking Otsego Lake, um, God stopped building places like this a long time ago. I mean, very, very nice to say, because he's right. I mean, it it has to be seen to believe. Uh, You know, we're going to throw some photos up on on clubhousepodcast.com so people can just see how spectacular it is here. And I can imagine, so right now it's a bit chilly. It's, It's a bit of an overcast day and a bit drizzly out, but I can only imagine what it's like here in the summer when the families are coming through and the Hall of Famers are coming through. And it's just, it's, I was telling Anthony, you know, uh, one of my now future dreams is to somehow figure out a way to stay here, 
maybe not the night of induction, because as you were, you will eventually explain to us, this is not open to us normies uh, during induction week. But around that time, this place is just, it's, it's really, really fantastic, you know. Uh, so, but we're not here to plug the hotel. We're here to basically hear some awesome stories from your 18 years of, of living here in Cooperstown. And this is the hotel where Hall of Famers stay during the induction weekend, correct? Yeah, the, the hotel closes for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday of the induction. The, the Cooper Inn, which is also part of the hotel, we house the Hall of Famers, the inductees, the inductees' families, and uh, the people from Major League Baseball. Wow. So, I mean, at that point, is the hotel pretty much at capacity, or are there— We're we're full for the entire week. Um the golf course, Leatherstock and Golf Course, closes. They play a couple of uh, days of golf out there, and the, the Hall of Famers do because they, yeah. they're very competitive. Yeah, it's like everything <laughs> you always hear about retired baseball players is they just play not just play golf, but they're like obsessive golf players. Even sometimes while they're while they're actually active players, they're playing a lot of golf too. I mean, it's yeah. Like, well, there's a plaque on I think the fifth hole or sixth hole um, that uh, Johnny Bench did the longest drive here. 400 and something. And I'm sure he brags about that to oh, everyone, yeah. right? He's well, there's, there's, a, there's a plaque out there testifying it. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. And, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, we were very privileged to not only get to spend a little time with them, but actually get to know them. And, uh, you know, when during the season, much of our business is conferences, national associations, uh, board of directors from around the country. And uh, we hire Hall of Famers to come in and present to these groups, play golf with them. Uh, Goose Gossage on the 2nd, 3rd, or 4th of June is going to be with Connecticut Bankers, and he's going to pitch a game on Double Day Field for them. That's hilarious. And then then they have dinner at the Hall of Fame, right in the Hall of Plaques after that. So it's a a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Sure. And I I guess one question I have, when you have the, the, say you have, you know, this current class or who, or last year's class or whoever, when you have con- people who played together or against each other, do they, I don't know, you hear about like the rivalries between teams or players. Does any of, do they, re- did you feel like that's part of their history that they remember that, oh yeah, I hit a home run off you or you stole a base on me? I mean, is, does has that become, become part of their off the field, you know, reminiscing, or is that just sort of like stuff that happened on the field so long ago that they don't even care? You know what I mean? They remember everything. <laughs> yes. And they're as competitive as they Still. were when they were playing yeah. ball. Yeah. But when you get into this Hall of Fame, it's the most exclusive club in the world. It's for the best athletes that play America's greatest game. I mean, it's it's the 1% of the 1%. I mean, I... I uh... One of our previous guests uh, was former Tigers pitcher Pat Ahern, and he was talking about how, I mean, it's at this point something like 0.5% of high school ballplayers who are all trying to make the big leagues, about 0.5% of them actually make it to the show. And of that 0.5%, I don't even know. I mean, it's 0.00 whatever percent that actually would make it to the Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can only imagine what it's like when you've reached that level First of all, I mean, you had to put in at least 10, 15, 20 years of intense 
focus and energy and just and just obsession almost. So yeah, when when you ask if these guys remember, they have to. I mean, they, they have to remember twenty years ago. All right, so like so this year it's gonna be uh, um, uh, it's Maddox and John. No, 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 yeah. no, no, no uh, uh, Pedro and Unit. I'm sorry, Matt, yeah, yeah, Matt. Pedro. Hey, I've, 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 we, I was just at the hall for the first time, so I saw Maddox's plaque, so it's still like ringing in my brain. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's, it's Pedro, it's Unit, it's um, Biggio, and Smoltz. And Smoltzy. Yeah. So, uh, former, for a brief, fleeting second, Detroit Tiger, John Smoltz, which, uh, that one makes me sad. But, uh, uh, so for Biggio, so, you know, he faced Randy, I'm sure, several times in his career. They have to remember. I'm sure that there will be some gentle ribbing of, hey, I remember when I got you out on that slider away or I threw one by you. Whatever. There's got, there has to be, when you reach that level, there has to be some sort of you know, friendly rabble-rousing, ball-busting a little bit. Oh, sure. I bet you they remember every time they've been hit by a pitcher, too. Yeah. Oh, that's what Pedro. Oh, good Lord, you're right. You know, now that Pedro's in that club, it will be interesting to see exactly how many guys are going to get the revenge on him on, on Old Timers Day if that's he ever takes, the, takes swings in at bat. So, all right. So, let's, let's focus on one thing at a time here. Because, like I said, there's a lot that I want to go uh, over with you. Let's just talk about the induction week and kind of what happens around the hotel and around the city as well. I've actually never been lucky enough to be here for induction week. I've been to Canton to the NFL Hall of Fame. I watched uh, Barry Sanders get inducted years ago because he was a childhood just idol of mine growing up. And that was, you know, it was fun, but I feel like there's a lot more pageantry that's involved in in the whole week leading up to the Cooperstown uh, uh, Hall of Fame uh, induction. Because, you know, cause with, with the NFL one, they also have the Hall of Fame game that they play, and I feel like a lot of attention is put on that. So neither Anthony nor I have been here for an induction week. So can you just kind of paint the picture of what it's like here at the hotel and just in the city? It's three days, three intense days for the, for the Hall of Famers. And uh, the, the inductees are the rookies. And uh, they come before the weekend and uh, are, are given an orientation as to what the Hall of Fame is and what it means to be in the hall. And... Um, they have a beautiful golf tournament. They have two unbelievable dinners. And is that is, is it any of that for charity, or is that just sort of just for them? It's it's for them. Yeah. It's for them. Um, they also have the Hall of Fame dinner on Sunday night, and uh, our servers go in, they serve, and then they leave the room, and it's just the Hall of Famers, just the current class Hall of Famers, just, or just all of the Hall of Famers, anybody who's the in, current yeah. class, anyone who's in and wow. here, yeah. And they, we, the servers leave the room, and that is their fraternity. Yeah. And what goes on in there and what is said, <laughs> That's a lot of people would love to know. Sure, sure, sure. And my, yeah. my maitre d', who's been here forever, said, I've been at the door, but I never heard what they were saying. They were laughing, and they yeah. were. <laughs> but and, that, 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 is, that probably is the most exclusive dinner held in sports. Yeah. And historically, are all of the living members here or are there some that just sort of you know maybe they're a little too frail or i mean is it is this usually, usually a high percentage of 65 the... is a good number to, for them to have hall of famers here um you know total yeah. Yeah. yeah some you know some are older uh, yeah. yogi's a little older he hasn't yeah. been here in a couple of years yeah but uh when also and i, I hear rumblings of and maybe it hasn't happened yet but of some of the old timers saying they want to stay away just due to the steroid nonsense and basically saying we don't want you know 
if such and such, I think it's more so if such and such gets in, we won't ever uh, come. I mean, is that something that, I mean, look, I'm sorry, but we you, you can't talk about the Hall of Fame without bringing up steroids. It's kind of the elephant in the room. The one, sadly, these days doesn't go without the other. But, I mean, does that, do you hear a lot of, of, of kind of rumblings about that? Or, or um, is that in the private secret room where they will not let us normies involved? I think that's in that private secret room. But I know the Hall of Fame and Major League ba- Baseball are, you know, trying to deal with the steroid error and how it'll be identified yeah. and how it'll be re- represented and how the asterisks will be next to the stats. Yeah. yeah. But because <clears throat> it has to change. It has to be recognized, and they're dealing with it. Sure, yeah. it's a it's a it's it's a very tough time for them. Well, I mean, the rumor is right now that that, that you know that there is someone that's in the Hall of Fame. Like that's kind of the that that everyone always says. Well, you know, there's probably already in someone in, that's in the Hall of Fame that's on steroids already. So it's kind of it's it's that whole thing is just such an absolute mess. I'll tell you this: as much as people yell at the BBWA and and you know they they want to throw sticks and stones, I'm glad I'm not a part of it. I have friends of mine who are a part of it, and I'm glad I'm not a part of it because that is just they have an impossible task. They are in a literal no-win situation. There's nothing they can do to make not even everybody happy, but even I don't even know what the majority of people at this point would be happy with. Yeah, it's so you know being in the hall today and looking at some of the, some of the numbers from those early early days. You know the numbers that will never be approached again of of, of five hundred eleven wins know. or yeah yeah and three six what is it three sixty six is that Ty Cobb's lifetime yeah. you know like these these astonishing numbers and of course there was no none of that was going on then so I mean we know it's possible to put up ridiculous numbers but what did I keep saying today when, well which part when when were they uh, when were those numbers put up. In the, well, also before before integration, which yes. is a different. That's there a were different no black people when yeah. they there was 511 wins without you know facing off against Josh Gibson, or you know there were 700 home runs without having to face off against Satchel Paige. So right. it's yeah. every era of baseball has its taint on it. Yeah, you know everything has its its uh, whether it's the dead ball era, whether there was no mound. Whether I mean, I was, you know, there's some uh, uh, plaques in there not plaque so much as, as the descriptions in the museum itself that are, are talking about how great a quote unquote spitball pitcher so-and-so was, <laughs> which is like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's every era has got some form of that. But I think the steroid one is just a, an extra level of, of, you know, just when you're altering your body chemistry, I think that's when people start raising the red flag. Yeah. And, and cause the numbers went so cartoonishly. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you look at the, the images too of the, of the players and it's like, what, you know, it looks like, they look like cartoon characters. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, all right. But so, so getting back to now, the week of the of the induction. So, so the Hall of Famers stay in this hotel. This is where they stay. <clears throat> they're all headquartered here at the Otisaga. So, and their families, yeah, and their coaches, and the owners of their team for the people that are inducted. Sure, if, but if you, for, if you come in as a Yankee, the Yankee major league owners are here and. Their families are here. Right, but, but basically what I'm trying to get to is, though, for, for 18 years, though, you have now been basically roaming the halls and, and interacting with and, and, and working with every single Hall of Famer that's been inducted and is still with us for the last 18 years. I mean, you've oh, yeah, got I, to have... I have some great stories. My first year here, uh, my first induction weekend, I was uh, giving some paperwork to Rebelman for some deliveries, and... Uh, Phil Rizzuto walks in the front door. Now, 
you know, my father loved Phil. Scooter was the man. He listened to him. But the previous hotel I worked at, uh, Scooter's daughter lived outside of Albany, and I worked in a hotel in Albany, and Scooter used to come up every couple of weeks, and he'd stay at our hotel, and we always made a big fuss over him. Big fuss, you know, send him something, you know, this is the Scooter. So, you know, many years go by, and we kind of, we became friends. So I was here at the front door. I was at the Bellman station. He walks in the front door and he yells, hey, Bobby, would you get traded? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it was classic. Yeah, there you go. But we hired uh, Mr. Rizzuto to uh, speak with an insurance group uh, maybe 17 years ago. And uh, he really didn't want to do a speech. So he had dinner with him at the Hall of Fame, right in the Hall of Plaques. And he did Q&A. And, you know, he said, you know, I can't believe you guys hired me because uh, I played baseball before most of you were born. He said, let me put things in perspective. My first game in Yankee Stadium, Franklin Delano Roosevelt threw out the first pitch. That's amazing. And they gave him a standing ovation. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah it was really neat. And, he, and the Q&A was like, what do you think about salaries today? And he said... Well, I think if the owners are dumb enough to pay it, the players should be smart enough to take it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of guy he was, yeah. uh, uh, one of a kind. Yeah. That is, yeah, FDR throughout the first pitch. That's, well, you know, that's we were looking at that at, in, in the plaque gallery today of looking at uh, Yogi, thinking about Yogi. Yogi just turned 90, which, I mean, for those of you who don't know Yogi's stats, Yogi is, he's kind of now known, I think, in my generation of fans as the, the old man with the funny lines, with the with the quips and with the witticisms and with the yogiisms yes. and all that stuff, which are all fantastic and I love them all. But ten World Series, fourteen pennants. I mean, the man caught, called the game and caught the only perfect game in the World Series. Just I mean, the man has a legacy that I don't think will ever be matched. And when we were looking at his plaques, he's right above uh, Josh Gibson, I believe. And seeing how Gibson has been, to me, when I think of Josh Gibson, it's like a, from a bygone era. It's like Josh Gibson, in my brain, played 200 years ago. Like, she's like, God, it's so, I'm so disconnected from that. But then to see Yogi, we're really not that far away from the Negro Leagues and from, you know, it's it's really kind of amazing to see how how connected we still are to our past when with some of these Hall of Famers that are still luckily enough, around. And Yogi still seems to be, he might be 90, but he's still got his wits about him, you know? And, and uh, what, what, so basically, what's it like when, when it is, when there are guys like Yogi, or since you said he hasn't come here for the last couple of years, but some of the old-timers, basically, who are... Oh, Hank Aaron. And, yeah. I mean, so like, I, assume, what, like, so like, I assume Ernie Banks was around a fair amount. And, it's know. like when those guys come around, these guys are the elder statesmen who saw some stuff. These guys are the ones that have been around and lived through just reality is what I'll call it. Do do they do, do the other Hall of Famers kind of, of look up to them? And is, is there a hierarchy, I guess? Is there kind of a we want to hear from you guys what it was like in the 40s, in the 30s, in the 20s? Or is there once you're a Hall of Famer, you're a Hall of Famer? There's a camaraderie of the 1% of 1%, one-tenth of 1%. But, you know, some of the older Hall of Famers hold court on the veranda, and everybody's listening to the, every word they say. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're, a lot of them are gone now, but there's still some fan, fabulous older uh, Hall of Famers there. Has Willie Mays been by in the last several years at all? Um, um, I, I'm not sure on that. I think he was here last year, yes. Yeah. I got to, I had the incredible 
good fortune of meeting him on the on the set of a film I was working on because he was maybe gonna he was talking to our director about possibly doing a film about his life and he hung out on that set for hours and he sat and he talked to us all very openly. I mean, and I don't know if if it's a diff if it part of it is that it's a different era of what it was like to be a superstar in the '40s or '50s or '60s versus what it's like to be a superstar you know now with all the social media and being so famous and so rich. I don't know if that makes if the, if it would be the same for like. You know, the, the huge superstars of today, if they would hang out that easily and that, you know, casually with, with people like, like us, you know what I mean? But that was really, really special and remarkable for me as a, as a huge baseball fan and, with, you know, to sit with a legend. And, and he was totally willing and not at all in any kind of like arrogant way to just sit and talk and ask us questions. We got to ask him questions, you know, and, you know, I, I'm curious if, if, there, if you see a difference in the in the eras of these of these Hall of Famers, of, of the way they comport themselves, I guess. We'll, we'll find out when Mr. Jeter gets in. He's, yeah. Everyone in the world knows who he is today. Yeah, of course, yeah. And that's yeah, four he, years. He's also a throwback, though. He's also a he guy old, that even old. while he was playing, it seemed like he was from a bygone era. Yeah. Like, he didn't... He Very approachable. Really fit, and... Yeah, he didn't really fit the stereotype of what one would assume. I mean, let's just face it, a guy like A-Rod or something like that, where, you know, you have all the media circus that surrounds him all the time. That wasn't jeter at all but i guess maybe um so do the young players of today because obviously they can't come to induction weekend because they're playing but so maybe this is a better way to ask it like do you see younger guys that are currently playing that come to the hall of fame so first of all that's part of one of the questions do the younger guys come to the hall of fame in the off season or whenever you know just even if it's just privately because they want to do whatever it is they want to do uh, to get a private tour or something like that and if they do come, do you see a difference in how they interact with your staff, with your, uh, um, with just people around the street or, or anything like that? So they're not quite Hall of Famers yet, but they are the young superstars of today getting, making more money than these Hall of Famers have seen in their entire life. Mm, but they're not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I think when they come, they're very humbled by the Hall of Fame. Yeah. And so you do, you do feel that they have a regard for it. Yeah. Well, you know, when we used to have the Hall of Fame game the Monday after induction <clears throat> we'd have two teams and they would tour the hall and they'd be touring the hall with their mouths open it's mm. like wow now who would who would play in those games uh major league baseball would send two teams every year and they would play right after the hall of fame monday two major league teams it stopped about eight years ago nine years ago i don't know why i don't remember that yeah well you were young I'm not that. I wasn't that young. <laughs> now, this weekend is the classic. And yes. we have nine Hall of Famers here. And then uh, Major League players are, you know, retired or coming. And they're going to play a game uh, Saturday afternoon. So who's who's playing in – do you know who's playing in those games? Uh, I know the whole – I don't know the yeah. – I don't, you know, know the uh, layout. But uh, it's a, you know, it's a pickup game and they have a <laughs> lot of fun. They bring their families. They have a blast. We have a big parade at noon on Saturday with the Hall of Famers and – all the ball players go through. We have actually we have a float. Oh, nice! Rep uh, representing our golf course. That's funny. <laughs> so, I mean, honestly, I said we. I just you know when. Um, so we normally record our our these podcasts out of a place called the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse in New York, which actually, absolutely coincidentally, in about 
from the time when we're taping this in about an hour and 20 minutes, the mayor of Cooperstown is actually at the clubhouse right now at the Burkina Baseball Clubhouse doing a talk on a book that he wrote. So we're kind of doing a symbiotic. Cooperstown is being represented everywhere. Uh, mayor Katz. Yes. I know him well. Yeah, he is in the Burkina Baseball Clubhouse. Uh, well, he'll be there in about an hour to, to give a talk. I'm kind of sad that I'm missing it, actually. But um Jay, the owner of of the clubhouse, he's the one who actually recommended that I look into uh, uh, interviewing someone from here because he just said that, you know, those guys have been around for forever and they've seen everything. And they just must have a thousand stories of of Hall of Famers, once again, just walking around in their downtime, I should say. So, once again, you're here, you're hanging out. I imagine you've got a lot of work to do, but... As a baseball fan, you must be sneaking a peek and maybe trying to listen a little bit and try to get a sense of, you know, the actual interactions between the, these ball players. Do you have any specific stories of just being able to see some guys and see how someone reacted to someone or just anything? Oh, well, my first year here, uh, our old general manager said, I, I want to introduce you to Bob Feller because he knew, knew I was named after him. My father was a Cleveland Indian freak. So I came around, I was the youngest of six, and... I was named after Bob Feller. So Frank, the general manager, says, Mr. Feller, I want to introduce you to my new director of sales. This is Bob Feller, Bob Feller, Bob Feller. He's named after you. And Bob Feller, in his Bob Feller way, said, yeah, so what? <laughs> but that was yeah. great. We yeah. laughed. Did you get a chance to tell your dad that story? No, my dad had passed, but oh, uh, he so was in sorry. heaven watching. Yeah. But, you know, the... There are the Hall of Famers are a special, special group of guys. But you know, you have your favorites. Phil Necro, you know, he's he's here quite a few times. He's here this weekend. You know, he'll see two kids having a catch in the yard. He'll go talk to him. He'll show him how to throw a knuckleball and throw have a catch with him right in front of the hotel. And then the that the, really the, makes me the boy's father makes, will come by and amazing. says, "Do you know who you were just playing catch with?" <laughs> And he said, no, Dad, who? That's Phil Necro, <laughs> the best knuckleballer in the world. But th that's the type of people these guys are. So why, first of all, I, I am moving here. I don't know what I'm doing living in Manhattan. Uh, well, you, talk, you talked about, you know, Cooperstown. Baseball, the Hall of Fame celebrates America's pastime. Mm -hmm. And Cooper's, Cooperstown celebrates America's past. We have two world-class museums a block from here. The Fenimore Art Museum which celebrates Americana, and the Farmer's Museum, which celebrates agriculture in early America. Um, also, four miles, five miles up the road is the Glimmerglass Opera, one of the best opera houses in the country. They're open for July and August. We're sitting on the most beautiful lake, Otsego Lake. Beautiful fishing, unbelievable. Bald eagles, golden eagles. I was last time I was I was telling Anthony last time I was here there was I think three bald eagles that were flying and I just I was like this is the best day of my life. I'm at Cooperstown and there's bald eagles above my head like it was just it was amazing and and when also unfortunately this this podcast we've got uh, a gentleman to uh, you're right there that doesn't particularly enjoy beer and a gentleman here who hasn't had a sip of alcohol in about seven and a half years, but. I am aware that Cooperstown is also home to some amazing beer as well. Oh, Omegang is uh, a beer in the Belgian style. It's one of the oldest breweries in Belgium. They make uh, nine or ten beers here. They just bought uh, in Kansas City Boulevard, 
So they're turning into one of the best microbrew or special brew houses in the country. So I'm sure, you know, this is a baseball podcast. And it is sad that both of us are just our, our, our non-beer drinkers because beer and baseball go know, so absolutely hand-in-hand. Hand. So we apologize, listeners, for dropping the ball on that one. But, um, but I want to quickly go back to why is Phil Necro here? Like why? And I don't mean specifically him. I just mean why would a Hall of Famer come on a random weekday in May? Um, well, Phil's coming uh, this weekend for the Classic Weekend, okay, and which is a celebration of baseball, and okay. they're having the game on Double Day Field. Um, but if Phil will come here to play golf with a group that we hire him for, or to speak to a group. Okay, so they are coming to do work. So they're not just coming to. I want to come to the Hall of Fame and see my plaque because I'm telling you, if I was a Hall of Famer, you'd come to I see would, your plaque. Are you not? Are <laughs> you hilarious. kidding me? I would come to see my plaque. Every week to make sure it's still there, to That's make sure no funny. one's smudging it or scratching it. Yeah. Well, no. you know, these, these, I worked hard for that plaque. These these Hall of Famers are Cooperstown, so they're coming home. Yeah. Well, now, so I'm a, I do have to ask because you know, as a as a Cubs fan, um, if you have any you know good Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Fergie Jenkins, Bill uh, uh, Greg Maddox, Ryan Sandberg, any any of those guys, if you have any little bones to throw me about like interactions you had with them or moments you witnessed or anything like that. A good know? hotel man never speaks. Well, oh, I don't mean no, I don't mean like an, I don't mean like dirt. I'm not yeah, talking yeah, dirt. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking like if you had like a good moment, like if you saw something nice, like the you know, not obviously not that they, that they don't have to be Phil Necro, you know, helping a kid learn how to play catch, but if you had and like good interactions or moments or anything like that. We've you know, we, you know, we have great experiences with all of them. You know, I'm not that close with many. You know, I'm close with the ones that I interact with on the on the conference side. And to be quite honest, honest with you, Hall of Fame weekend is a it's a, when they're here this is their mecca. It's sure. a private time for them. Sure. We give them all the space in the world. Yeah. And it's their time to bond with the 1% of the 1% that get in the Hall of Fame. You know, and that's part of the thing about being a hotel in the first place is the hotels are also built upon, you know, I don't know, discretion and and, and, and the integrity of if you're a guest, what, what happened. You know, it's like the, the sort of a safe place to oh, absolutely. You know, all that you, stuff. I totally you, understand. You don't that. approach yeah. them. You don't ask them for anything. Yeah, sure. Your autographs you'd never yeah, of do. Course. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah, of we course. We don't allow autographs in the hotel, period, at yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Hall of Famers, they trade autographs amongst one another. They do? They that's give, awesome. They give, you know, they'll give, you know, a ball and they'll switch. But that's for, really? them, for them, for sure, for their families and for their... That's funny. Yeah, th- these guys are all, they're on a very, very tight, tight family. Well, you sure, know what? but it's just funny, like, you know, I've... I, I guess that makes sense. You know, like, yeah, like for my for And my who knows or, what yeah. goes on in that dinner? I no, told course, you, we'd yeah, love to look in the windows, yeah. but we don't. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, and, and I'm going to kick myself because I can't remember who the rookie was, and maybe one of you two will know, but it was a story that I had heard where there was a young kid on the Yankees who got called into, I believe it was Girardi's office, and he was he was sure that he was about to get cut. And so he ran and got a ball from his locker to go to Jeter to have him sign it before he got cut but ended up he was actually being promoted and actually going to be full-time on the roster and i'm blanking on it do you guys remember that do you know that story at all i'm gonna have to look that story up then because it was it's so i do feel like there is you know as much as we like to put these guys on these pedestals especially hall of famers because you know when you become when you get to that level you are almost otherworldly you know when i think of a a um randy johnson or pedro martinez they they feel like alien creatures to me. It's like you are are evolutionarily above me in some way, shape, or form. But at the end of the day, 
you know, they were kids on a sandlot at a certain point, like all of us were, you know, throwing ridiculous pitches into the dirt and pretending like they were in the seventh game of the World Series. And so I feel like for them, it would be like, you know, meeting, you know, you meeting, you know, an actor that you looked up to when you were a kid. Of course, even though you are incredibly successful yourself, you're going to want to maybe, you know, get an autograph or a selfie with them or a picture with them. It's, it's that, that I think that childlike wonder comes out no matter what age you are, no matter what your success level is. I don't care. I mean, uh, so I'll, I'll tell this brief story, which I, I think I did tell maybe on another podcast, but you might get a kick out of this. It's um, I went to a game in Milwaukee. And uh, uh, Hank Aaron uh, came out and Hank Aaron walked about five feet in front of me and my brain just broke. And there were these two old timers, these two 90 year old men sitting next to me. And before Hank had come out, so I was sitting in the first row behind home plate, the best seats I've ever had in my entire life. And these two old timers are kind of busting my balls a little bit and be like, hey, why are you sitting in these seats? You know, these seats are too good for you. You know, go back. You don't know enough about baseball and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, razzing me a little bit. And it's fine. And I was trying to earn their respect and prove to them that I was worthy of their baseball knowledge. And then when Hank walks out, these two 90-year-old You said he was men, a surprise. He was a surprise yeah. guest. Yeah, no one, we didn't know. It was Robin Yount Appreciation Day at, at Miller Park. And Robin Yount was there and Raleigh Fingers was there. And it was great. And it was fun. And it was, you know, really, really cool. Then Uke, uh, Bob Euchre gets on the loudspeaker, says, ladies and gentlemen, one more surprise for you. Hank comes strolling out, and these two 90-year-old men turned into five-year-old kids. Bounce, like They were bouncing out of the... I was very scared they were going to break a hip or a leg or a, something because they were, it's Hank, it's Hank. I mean, it was really adorable to see how they just immediately turned into little children. And I feel like that's, for a guy like Pedro... If he's coming in and he sees a uh, Phil Necro, if he sees a a a guy that he didn't play against, yeah, I feel like that's the type of of reaction one would get. I mean, I, would, I mean, I would hope that. Like, I'm glad to hear that you 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 have witnessed and experienced the the the, the younger generations having a kind of regard for the for the older generations because I you know, well, you know, I see it with Miggy though. I see it with with uh, um, so obviously as a, as a Tigers fan, I am lucky enough to see future Hall of Famer Miguel Cabrera play every single day. And every time he does something just otherworldly, which he does quite often, you'll see the young guys on our team at the end of the bench kind of just, there, there was a, an awesome picture last year before we traded him of Austin Jackson. It was after some ridiculous Miguel Cabrera bomb, you know, that he just kind of flicked with his wrist. And Austin is at the end of the bench and he's looking like basically through the side of his eye like this. And he's just wide eye looking at Miguel for a good solid minute without breaking eye contact. Like, who is this thing, this monster sitting next to me? And so I think, you know, I, I think there is a, a awareness of where you're at in the pecking order, for lack of a better word, and and being able to respect true one one percent of the one percent talent. Now, in the in the induction itself, and you know, people. People come from far and wide to witness the induction speeches. But how do they get access to, like, how do people get in to see it? How does that work? It's open. It's open seating. Uh, there's reserved seats for the dignitaries. Sure. And it's, it's, you know, general admission. It's, there's no fee to go. And uh, there's buses that take you there. And, and they have uh, to camp out, like, in advance? Or how did, like... No, they usually go in the morning and, you know, wait until induction comes. But... You know, the, it's it's a huge, beautiful field where they have it in the country, and uh, 
there's, there's there's no maximum. We'll find out when Mr. Jeter gets in, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you know about, I mean, roughly speaking, do you know about how big the crowds are on average? I believe there was like 65,000 when uh, Cal Ripken came in. Wow. 65? In town, in town. Thousand. That was the most ever. 65,000 in a town of 2,500. 65,000 people came in for Cal. Oh, Jeter's probably going to break that, especially because yeah. it's, it's it's New York as well, and it's it's a lot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Jeter. Because what's here? He retired in 2014? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he'll, so be, he'll be eligible in 19, yeah, right? Oh, my goodness. That's going to be... I'm sure people are booking their hotels now for that one. People because... have been calling ever since he retired. Really? And Oh, yeah, to book. But we we say we're we're sorry we're closed. Yeah, you're closed for the weekend. We're but, we're yeah. it's private. Yeah, that's so funny. So now I I, I do know once again because I have friends of mine who've been here for induction that during that week all the all because obviously all the Hall of Famers are here and like you said this is kind of that is their big weekend of the year and a lot of them a are just walking around town which blows my brain which is like I don't know how. Just because right now, when you walk down Cooperstown, Anthony saw it a little bit earlier. It's it's a little bit better when it's nicer out, and there's a lot more people. There's a lot more foot traffic. I love Cooperstown because it feels like you're walking in the, in the 1920s. Like it just it feels like you're going back in time because you walk down the street. Everybody's got a hat or a shirt or something representing their respective teams, and everybody's screaming something. Hey, Tigers or Cubs or Reds or Sorry about last night or you know what? It's just it, there's always this great interaction. So I can't even imagine what it's like during Hall of Fame, during the weekend, during induction weekend, when actual legitimate Hall of Famers are just casually walking down the street. I guess my question, you know, being in showbiz myself and I've seen people get swarmed, uh, is is there a little bit of a propriety that people have? Like if they see a Hall of Famer walking down the street, they don't swarm them, that they let sort of let them be a little bit, but they might say something nice to them, but they don't like try to, I don't know grab them and get you know a million pictures or you know different stores bring in the hall of famers and they have signing sessions during those signing sessions sometimes they you know there's a lot of people yeah um but the the hall of famers are you know they're they're, security is tight yeah um you can't get onto the grounds but they you know they're they're people give them respect that's good yeah because it's like we live in it is a different world we were talking about manish and i were talking about it earlier you know even in theater, which is so much smaller a, a fame world than baseball, <laughs> but you know when I was doing Rent 19 years ago, as big of a hit as it was, we w- we could come out of the theater or in the early run, and there would be maybe five people outside the theater, ten people. Now, for almost every Broadway show, you come out of the stage door, and there's like two or three hundred people waiting well, at the stage door, and it's so it's just a different. There's a different mentality around meeting you know quote unquote famous people and getting autographs and getting pictures and all this stuff you know and i guess you know fan conventions and baseball conventions and i'm going to be part of broadway con you know that maybe is part of what's making that more and more the case but you know i i also live in new york city where people can mostly walk down the street very famous people and mostly go Un, unmolested for oh, the most yeah. part. Oh, yeah. I know. was walking down the street yesterday and uh, Stephen Yoon from uh, Walking Dead, uh, you know, he's a guy that is, at this point, he's on one of the most famous shows on the planet. Like, that's, 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 I think it breaks records every week for people watching that show. And I, I saw him walk by me and literally nobody cared. Like, he's just walking around. I think people noticed him, but it's just a, oh, there he goes and we're going to keep on walking. 
I, I, I do feel like there is, at least in, in Manhattan, and I think here as well, there is that kind of level of let them do what they're doing if we're supposed to be talking to them at a signing, at a booth, at a whatever, then yeah, maybe I might freak out. Maybe I might ask for a selfie or an autograph. But if he's just walking down the street, I can't imagine. Like I, I would be mortified if I, I, I came across, let's say, Randy Johnson walking down the street and I annoyed him. I it would first of all I'd be terrified for my life, you know that that man killed a bird. With he baseball. did kill a bird with a baseball, which is have you seen? You everyone's seen. Have you seen? I, I was here for his orientation. He's big oh, man. He's massive. He's a massive, <laughs> massive man. And I, I understand. So in his post baseball career, he is a photographer now. And what I love about him is that his his company's logo is a dead bird. That's that's that, the, the logo for Randy Johnson's is a dead bird, which is like that's so I, at least he's got a sense of humor about it. Yeah. But but back to my you know if, if I saw him and I and I annoyed him at all in any way, shape, or form, I would just I would retreat into my shell and never talk to another human being because like this is like you said, let the man have his special weekend, let the man have this moment with his family, his friends, or himself. Let him just stand there for a minute and be like, wow. I, I'm, how am I here? And I'd have some annoying little Indian kid saying, hey, Mr. Johnson, I like you a lot. I saw your pitch once. I saw your no-hitter on TV. It's, it's you know, uh, so yeah. And I, so during that week, though, do you get a chance to go out in the street at all? Or are you pretty much just locked here in your office working? No, we're all we're all working the events. Uh, there's we have quite a full agenda: breakfast, lunch, dinner, coffee breaks. Uh, you know, we're we're busy, so we're 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 all helping. And are they are they on a pretty tight schedule? Like, do they have like a, a oh, regimen well, of things? They, that they, they have, have they have they have a a pretty tight schedule, but yeah. also there's a lot of leisure in there for them. There's yeah. a lot of socialization. There's yeah. uh, some receptions. A lot of Three dinners, three lunches, three breakfasts. But that's once again just for the inductees for that year. The rest of the Hall of Famers, aside from whatever uh, um, deals they have with the shops to sign stuff, they're pretty much free to do what they want. Or, um, well, the inductees that are coming in, a lot of times their team will throw a big bash off property for them sure. at the Farmers Museum or at the oh, Fenimore okay. Art Museum, sure, or rent a big hall or restaurant. And uh, they'll they'll celebrate their induction on one of the days. And that's sort of that's separate. That's their own thing. Their Nothing own to do their, with, yeah. their own family thing. Yeah. Their yeah. own team thing. And um, that, and that is that individual teams do that. So like this year, will that, there'll be four different separate. You know, there could be four separate parties. Yeah, that's kind of nice though. I yeah. kind of like that. I mean, because yeah. as much yeah, as these the, the year that um, oh um, Cal Ripken came in. Uh, George Bush had breakfast at the Fenimore. There was about a thousand people there. Yeah, and was that? No, that... no, no, not not Cal Ripken, the pitcher. Rangers. No, Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Nolan I was, Ryan. Saying, I was yeah. trying to make the connection when between no... my Bush. Oh, yeah. When Nolan Oriole. Ryan came in, George Bush was here. He wasn't the president yet. He yeah, was just running. Yeah, but they had. Well, a... dear, did he have any crossover with Nolan? Because when did Nolan retire? He was the president of. Uh, yeah, the I know. That's, when... that's, that's what I'm trying to figure out. When did he own the team? And when he was when he was the governor of Texas, uh, Nolan was, I think, his uh, recreation director of the nice. whole of the whole state. Oh, got it. Yeah, I sat behind him once at a baseball game. Right. Uh, I, I went to the first Nolan ever... Ryan or no or Bush. Bush? Yeah, yeah Nolan Ryan. I'd never stop talking about it if I sat behind him. 
I'd be sitting, <laughs> I, 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 Bush, I only bring up, you know, whatever, but, uh, we served them breakfast. <laughs> I've always, look, I say what you will. I've always, if I could just talk to the baseball version of him, I feel like I'd really get along with him. If I could yeah. just cut out this, the part of his personality that likes baseball, I feel like he and I would really get along because it was, you know, I went to the first ever game at RFK stadium for the Washington nationals when the nationals came over from Montreal and he seemed to really be enjoying himself during the game. I was sure like, all right, I like, you know. I like uh, this version of you. Can you be this all the time? Speaking of Nolan and Ryan and speaking of, and earlier we were saying, like, do they remember things? Um, my brother-in-law is Hal Morris. He was a, uh, on the Cincinnati Reds when they won the World Series in 1990. And um, he tells a story of in a spring training game, he, he wasn't like a big home run hitter. He was more of like a, he hit for high average and, you know, um, got on base a lot. But he hit a home run off of Nolan Ryan during a spring training game, and Nolan Ryan was so mad at him, and pretty much never let him forget it. He was he was like glaring at him as he was rounding the bases, like, "How like, dare you?" Yes, hey, a true a true competitor. Yes, and that's yes. how you get seven no hitters, and oh, yeah. you know, however many one hitters, and however many no hitters lost in the ninth, and five point five million strikeouts. None of those numbers yeah. are correct, but I don't care. He's a he's a He's a video game character. Yes. I mean, the guy, I mean, he went up there and, and he, with a broken nose and blood everywhere. There was a, the fight from, from back in the day. I mean, the guy was just, he was, he was a baseball player. Hardcore he, yeah. baseball. Yes, yes. So, now once again, I mean, maybe this is not something you, you would be able to answer, but I've always been fascinated at the, whoever you get inducted with, you are forever ever tied with that new group of people so if you're a baseball player for the most part you're going to be known as you know x team you know i was a yankee i was a red sox and i played with so and so and so and so and so and so and that's kind of who you're associated with for into your 40s maybe even your 50s but then all of a sudden you're at the end of your career you've retired and now you've got this new group of guys if you are lucky enough to make the hall of fame where now Pedro, Unit, Biggio, and Smoltzy will forever be entwined. They will forever be a part of this new collection of brothers. Well, especially it's rare to ever have that many inducted in one year. I mean, yeah. it's, how many times does that happen? It's very, yeah, very This is This has been the most in a while. Just like high school. They're the class of 15. And yeah. They'll always be the class of 15. Exactly. And yeah. so when you see the guys now who... We're lucky enough to have multiple people be inducted in the same year, and multiple players, not so much players and managers, players and old timers, but but actual contemporary players. Is there like, and once again, an extra level of when they come together, maybe those four guys will grab dinner together, or those four guys, you might see them palling around a little bit more in the hotel halls as opposed to someone else. Is there is there an extra level basically of of you know work together in this? I th I just think they're remembered for the time, for the class they came in at. But no, they're no. They're, so it doesn't they're, really. They're inducted into the most exclusive. So club it's the in Hall the of world. Fame. Okay, so it's yeah. the Hall of. So it's it's. So they they don't go to that. Once again, as a baseball guy, I'm always looking for that extra stat. That well, extra they're all level rookies. That... They're all coming in as rookies. So that's one thing <laughs> they, they have in common. I would say they're hazing. Yeah. Do they have to wear the the the, the backpack? The, the Dora backpack. the Explorer <laughs> backpack or the or the whatever? Do they have to? Are they getting taped to flagpoles? Are they having to do midnight runs in their underwear? Because that would be make me so happy. I don't think so. Oh. but they are rookies. Yeah. There's, there's probably something. There has to be something. There has to be some sort of, of initiation process of, you know, they're just maybe, I don't know. 
Now, do you get to be at the induction also? Do you or do you're um, busy I, doing I this can't, stuff? I can, but uh, we usually are. We're the rain location, so if it does rain, they'll you know we have a, just a small amount of time to set the hotel up to. So wait, so wait, so explain here. that to me. So if it rains, they will bring the TV cameras. They'll bring everything, and they'll do the in the speeches here. Yes. Where in in a ballroom or a... Uh, in a ballroom in a dining room uh, that will be simulcast and set. And then, wh- how many like are there? And and, and the, at the that point, pe- the public the, the couldn't public, come the, in. No, they'd yeah, have to yeah. go watch it on TV. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's understandable. Or they could probably stay there, and it would be simulcast there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sit in the rain with their, with their umbrellas. Yeah. But that'd be a cool moment. That'd be a cool thing to be a part of. It hasn't it. happened. Knock on wood. Come on. Yeah, I know. Come on. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, listeners. I'm sure you enjoyed that <laughs> nice little bump in the night. But um, wow, yeah. So I guess you guys do all. Yeah, you've been kind of blessed with some some pretty good weather over the years. Uh, it's miracle. We've been it's the baseball gods. The base- now, do you? You know, you said before before we went on air that um, you're basically a Yankees fan. You would say is that your your primary team? Or you know, I was born in New York. Yeah, I'm a Yankee. No, it's okay. No, it's look, we're just we've asking. Had, we, we're yeah, just yeah, no, yeah, we, we we were kind of you know busting on a little bit earlier for being a Yankee fan. But you always, if you're a Yankee fan, you always got to get a little bit, little bit of ribbon. From, so yeah. is, you know, is it hard? Do you have like little moments where a, a you know a Red Sox player walks by and you're like, <laughs> oh, you know, or is it just no? Because I, yeah. I love going to Boston and seeing a game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. But so, I wouldn't wear a Yankee jersey there. You so at yeah. this point, would you consider yourself to be more of a baseball fan than a Yankee fan? Yes, I'm a baseball fan. I yeah. think that is something that I I feel like if I had your job, or even if I lived here, you know, I feel like as much as the Tigers are injected into my blood, after 18 years, I, I think I, I would be more of a baseball fan just because yeah i mean you see so many of these guys and i feel like you probably have a connection now to all 30 teams no because who doesn't have hall of famers right now tampa doesn't have a hall of famer i guess washington doesn't have a hall of famer unless you can count the senators which people might not want to so no, I Washington guess, isn't the Senators. That's the Rangers. The exactly. Senators. That's why I said yeah. So 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 no. So but you have a connection to. to I mean, Washington has the there's Expos players. So yeah, I guess know. they have a couple of Expos. But uh, um, so yeah, I, I guess you do you feel a connection to to more than just the team you grew up watching. But so do you get a chance to watch a lot of baseball now? Do you, are you like has has this? I've been watching the Mets lately. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've been, been playing they, well. They've been playing well. So. Do you watch baseball differently now after all of the interactions you've had, all of the contact you've had, all of just the the kind of uh, a very unique perspective, I should say, on 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 ball players and and the ends of their careers? Do you watch baseball differently now? Do you have a different eye? Do you look for guys who are who are future Hall of Famers? I think about it. I don't. I don't think I look for them, mm-hmm. but I think you can't help to say, "Why wow, this guy's great." So, like right I now, wonder, yeah. who who are some of those? Yeah, who, who, who are right now? Like once again, not to, just off the top of your head, who are the guys that you are are just like, "All oh, right, yeah, these guys are definitely going to be in." Um, this the Met, the pit the Mets pitcher right now that's so Degrom good. or yeah, Harvey? Rom. Degrom, Degrom, yeah. Harvey, Rom Harvey's good too. But okay. I look, are these guys could be? Could yeah, they be? of course, of course. Could they be? Yeah, it's a big I, you know, question. I'm, I'm you not, never know. I mean, part I of it is also my, I just ask myself. Yeah. Do you feel that way about like Trout, Mike Trout, or maybe? Yeah. Oh, Bryce Harper. Mm, I don't know. Really? 
Well, remember, 1% on 1%. Yeah. No, you know no. what? He is right. That is, honestly, that is, it's, it's what I It's about, like, the putting it on year after it's year. It's 10 years. Year it's, year. That's yeah. why with Trout, it's, it's, and once again, I, I, full disclaimer, I get it. I'm a Tigers fan. You shouldn't listen to my opinion on Mike Trout. But that being said, during the two years when there was the whole Trout versus Cabrera nonsense, when Miguel Cabrera hit the first triple crown since 1967, how is that even a question who should get an MVP? But whatever. What, the thing that, that I always well, got. It's the old debate about five-tool, though. That's part of it. The five-tool player versus. When the, I was a young lad. I'm just saying. And that's I looked, part at, of the, and I looked at the back of my baseball of card. Debate. Okay, so I have a question for you. Let's say someone bats two. 80. I know this is going to be kind of, I don't even know if it'd be mathematically possible, but let's say they bat 280 with 20 home runs, like 25 home runs and 98 RBIs, but had a 58 game hitting streak. You don't give that man the MVP. I give that man the MVP. <laughs> I, don't I know. give I'm that saying, man the yeah, MVP. There are certain things. Certain thing. yeah. There are certain yeah. things. You bat 400, you hit 60 home runs, you, you know, there are certain milestone, like, you get 3,000 hits, you get in the Hall of Fame. You get 500, 500 home runs, kind of been tainted, but you get 300 wins, you're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. You hit a triple crown, well, you get in the Hall of Fame, but you're you the win MVP. the MVP. Yeah. Well, but, he did. He did win I the know. MVP. But so basically what I was saying, though, is that at the time, everyone's saying, Mike Trout, future Hall of Famer, blah, blah, blah. Hold up. Miguel Cabrera's been doing this yes. for a long, long time. That little kid, that little 20-year-old kid, he, I believe, and I'll correct myself if I'm wrong, but I'm one, I'm 95% sure that he was the three-hole hitter in the 03 World Series as a rookie. He was because, I know that because the Marlins beat the Cubs in the NLC. That's, that, that's just, just why. He was a Marlin. But, but you know what? Yes. And Roger Clemens, future non-Hall of Famer, threw at Miggy, and in the same at-bat, Miggy looked right at him and hit an opposite field home run and said, there you go. Throw at yeah. me again. Yeah, Throw at me again. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's <laughs> that boy's been doing it for a long time. Mike Trout's been doing it for a couple years, and he strikes out a lot. So give me a call in another 10 years, and if Mike Trout's still a 5 tool player, I will be right with you, and I'll say, yes, Hall of Fame. He'll be in with 98% of the vote. Good for him. Yeah, no, I know. So that's that's just that's my sorry that's that's you get me you get me you all got, riled you got up fired get me all fired, fired up. up. Are, are there any um, in the Yankees? Are there any players that you're you know? I know that the Yankees are in a sort of transitional period. It seems in some ways that from an you know being an outsider looking in, but uh, obviously they're still doing quite well this year for the most part. You know, are there is there, are you still paying attention to the Yankees or? I am. I am. Um, I'm really surprised with Rodriguez's performance. Yeah, it's pleasant. Well, what do you think? Okay, you know what? This is actually perfect. I'm glad you brought him up. So you've got these two sides of you now. You've got the the Yankee side of you, but you've also got your Hall of Fame side. And I'm assuming, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong to assume. Where do you stand with steroid folks getting into the Hall? Um, uh, my mom always told me to say nothing if I had some, nothing nice to say. Yes. So I stay away from that topic. Um, okay, but so I guess then we're know, probably... And, on the... and the Hall of Fame, um, they they are skirting... They're not skirting, but they're dancing around this. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's I think it's a very tough time. I think the entire period is need needs to be bracketed. Okay, and so then, they need to be honest. Yeah. So then with Alex Rodriguez specifically then, what he's doing this year is... 
I mean, on essentially two fake hips. Like it's it's he's a robot at this point where where you know half of his body's been replaced. <laughs> and I love I am the, a robot. I'm going I to hit a home run. Love again. the fact that dude is letting his little stubble come in gray, which uh uh I <laughs> a friend of mine who will remain nameless at this moment was he basically said, I would bet you anything that he's dying that gray. I will bet you anything he's <laughs> dying that gray just to get a little extra sympathy from folks. Cause and you know what? I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't doubt it. That that's that's, that's the kind funny. of stuff that, that he might do. But so as a Yankee fan, I, what do you do? Do you I, I mean, hope his bat does the talking. Yeah. So and then then we won't be talking about this. So if he hits, let's say, 30 home runs this year, you'll be happy? Oh, yeah. And the Yankees will be winning. See, I just, so can't, I just, I just can't be. I just, yeah. I, I, yeah. Uh, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I, I, I desperately want him to hit 666 and retire. God, I want him to hit, hit his 666th home run and just retire. Like the, the mark of the devil. Yes, that would be <laughs> embrace it, A-Rod. Embrace it. It's who you are. It's what your legacy will be. Yeah, I mean, you know, as a as a Cubs fan, we have I have a very complicated relationship to Sammy Sosa. Yep. I mean, it's a weird thing. Great you know? player. Yeah, it's a weird thing because I do believe, like looking at the empirical evidence, the way his body changed, that he did steroids. Of course, he did. I mean, and the way that his you know numbers leapt ahead. You know, we'll say I allegedly mean, was, for all of this, just yeah, so that we don't get in trouble. But but yeah, I mean, that's what I said. Like the, yeah, the yeah, empirical no. evidence suggests. Yeah. You know? So um, at the same time, it was a truly dynamic player he was great for the city he was great for the game all those things and yet you know then he also had a weird way that his career ended in chicago that was kind of weird like he didn't show up to the ballpark when he left early it was like yeah so it's like it's all kind of fraught and complicated um so i guess that's i guess that's part of it is that i understand i i look at him and i recognize that it's fraught and complicated but i am happy that at least for for me as far as we know you know the other main uh, fantastic players that that I mentioned earlier. There's no evidence whatsoever that any of them had any kind of whiff of of, of steroids on them. You know, Ryan Sandberg and right. Ronnie Banks and Billy Williams, and so that's that. I mean, I have that sense of pride that it, we don't have that many question marks around. You know, in, in in my in my team history, which you know makes me a little more relieved, I guess. Sure. I mean, but then obviously, and and once this is a conversation we'd got in with another guest of ours. Uh, so we we spoke to a Charles Sheeler who is a phenomenal attorney. He's the attorney, basically. He's known as the attorney who cleaned up, cleaned up baseball. He uh, basically uh, represented MLB during the Mitchell Report and during the A-Rod hearings and all that stuff. He He's the guy. He's the guy we have to thank for for basically getting steroids at this point as close to out of the game as it's going to be. And I literally just forgot why I was bringing him up. Uh, my brain just went blank. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I can't. What were you talking about? I was talking, talking about the way that, you know, we have the one. Oh, question there it is. Terrence, Sammy, but so what so. we were talking about is you were saying about your uh, um, ballplayers, you don't have a lot of question marks. And we were talking about with Charles about the amphetamines and yeah. that while we may not have, you may not have a lot of steroid stuff attached to them. A lot of the guys in the 70s and earlier were all, you know, accused, but there was their, their culture of amphetamines and uppers, we'll just call them, you know, whatever form of uppers you want. And so, like we said earlier, every era has its things, has its baseball. I mean, cheating is baseball. Baseball is cheating. It's inner. It's it's whether it's stealing signs, whether it's you know whatever it is. You know, we had um, Ralph Branca uh, in the clubhouse uh, last year or the year before uh, at the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse in, in Manhattan. And Ralph, for those of you who don't know is the gentleman 
who who pitched for the Brooklyn Dodgers, and in 1951 he gave up the what's known as the shot heard around the world to Bobby Thompson. You've all heard the call: the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant. Well, turns out. The Giants should not have won the pennant. The Giants should not have been anywhere near the pennant because the Giants had been stealing signs for the last month of the season, and Bobby Thompson actually stole the sign on the shot heard around the world. And, you know, Ralph tells this great story about, you know, uh, there's a great documentary, actually, and I'm so horribly embarrassed that I'm blanking on the name of the, the documentary. So, yeah, so notes. it's going to be on the show notes, which by the way, folks, the show notes might be going up a little bit later than normal this time, just because uh, Anthony and I are on the road. So I might not have time to put it up right away, but when you get to, uh, when you listen to this episode, go to clubhousepodcast.com, check out the show notes and uh, a buddy, cause it's a friend of mine who directed it, which is why a buddy of mine, Andrew, who, who directed it. And it's, it's killing me that I'm blanking on the name, but it's a brilliant documentary about Ralph. And he seems to be at peace with it. And it is kind of like, it's, it is what it is. Cheating in baseball, baseball and cheating. It goes hand in hand. It's not just baseball. It is life. It is Americana. It, it's the American. It's the American dream. It's for an edge. Anything to get up. Yeah. What's that beautiful quarterback from New oh, England? Know, Brady. What you was know the what? name? What was the name? Oh, Deflate Gate. He's a Umich uh, alum as well, so oh, I yeah, have yeah, to. Yeah. I have to own him as well. I have to. I have See? to. Uh, yeah, and I they, take they took some signs too, didn't they? That was two years ago. Three years ago. <laughs> and then there was one other. Those guys like to get an advantage. I think it's like I said. I think it's ultimately when you're injecting yourself with with you know super serums, you're becoming Bane for you comic book friends out there, or or you know you're becoming these these comic book super villains by injecting poison into your body. That's where I think that's no longer cheating, and that's just that's a whole other category. Um, but we're gonna have to wrap it up soon because we've gone a little bit longer than I anticipated. But you've been fun to talk to, and this is you hey, know, it's an honor to meet you both. No, and this <laughs> and, is and uh, you know I'd love to say you can. You can come to induction. You have to stay at my house, though, because you can't stay at the hotel. Yeah, that's thank you very much. That, that's a very, out. very thank nice you. offer. And, and believe I may take you up on that. So so it's on record. You've all heard it, folks. So when I show up to, to your house, Bob, with my bags in hand, <laughs> you better accept me in. Get off my lawn. <laughs> I'm going to have a boom box, like uh, say anything, yeah. playing this part of the podcast. You said I could come. Um, but... Uh, so normally the way, so this has been kind of a different episode for us. So normally what we do is we have a trivia game. We have all these things, but I just really wanted to talk Cooperstown with you and not get bogged down with any of that stuff. But the one way that we do end a lot of our episodes is by having our guests kind of tell us why they're a baseball fan in the sense of what's your favorite memory of being a baseball fan, whether it's growing up, whether it's since you've been working here at the hotel, but just that moment where you think this is why baseball is the greatest sport ever invented. And this is why baseball is just the best. My dad was a country doctor, and we came from a little town called Port Jervis, New York. It's right on the border of New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania. Six kids. My father was a workaholic. He worked seven days a week. The only time he would ever relax was he was watching a baseball game. And I remember when Tom Seaver used to pitch for the Mets, 1969, I think he watched three games a week. And I'll never forget, he, there, was, there was like five of us playing in the room, and he goes, shut up, 
Sabres pitching. <laughs> and they won the World Series that yeah, year. Yeah, of course they did, yeah. But see, oh, see oh I know they won the World seeing Series. My, yeah, yeah. Seeing my dad watch the Mets and going to Shea Stadium with him a couple of years after that, 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 that brings tears to my eyes because it was the only time I ever saw him relax and not care about anything but the game. That's really worth Now, have you gotten a chance? Did you ever get a chance to meet Tom Seaver? Oh, sure, sure. Tom spoke. Did you get to Let's hear. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I told him the story. Uh, yeah. He's a wonderful man. He's yeah. got a wonderful winery in California. Uh, he's, you know, used to, he's spoken to quite a few of our groups. Yeah. But uh, he's uh, he's a legend. Yeah. Well, I'm and, glad and it's yeah. nice to meet a legend. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not just a legend. It's a legend that meant so much to you and your family and, and your fandom of baseball. And I'm sure like, that your dad is smiling down and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's telling everyone else in heaven, to, hey, shut up. My boy's talking to Tom Seaver. <laughs> you know, I got to watch this now for, for a second, you know. So, well, this was just absolutely fantastic. Um, so... Just uh, do me a favor, uh, you know, give uh, give a little plug to to the hotel. Let folks know, um, not induction weekend, but any other <laughs> any other weekend. Um, you know how they can come, and I'm telling you, every single one of you guys, like I said, this place is is really really gorgeous. Just we've only been able to walk around just a little bit in the lobby, and like I said, it's it's I, I I'm getting chills just walking down the hall. I can only imagine what it's like here in the summer and when there's a lot of just voices walking around the hallway and, and the energy in this building must be insane. So yeah. So tell folks how they can, uh, uh, book their, their stay here. The Otisaga resort, 132 rooms, the Cooper Inn, 15, all on Otsego Lake. Unbelievable early season prices and late season prices. Come visit us. www.otisaga.com. They stopped building places like Cooperstown a long time ago. Come visit. That's true. <laughs> that is incredibly true. All right, well, folks, that's that's going to do it for us. So Anthony and I are uh, currently, this is day one of our current road trip. Uh, we drove up from Manhattan today. Uh, I'll be releasing, I'm, I'm trying to debate right now, and, and Anthony and I will discuss it. We're, we're, we're recording some stuff while we're on the road and we're inside Cooperstown. So we'll figure out a good release schedule for that over the next couple of weeks here. But uh, right now we are going from here to Toronto to then we go to Detroit, which I am very much looking forward to going to, and then Cleveland and Cincinnati. So we're going to have a lot of fun road episodes for you to listen to. Please uh, uh, tweet at us if you are located in any of those cities and uh, want to give us some ideas of what to do in your in your towns. So once again, that's Toronto, Detroit, Cleveland, and Cincinnati. So tweet at us at Pod and let us know. You know, we want to have some fun in your town and really kind of explore in our very short time that we have. So uh, thank you, Anthony. This thank you, Manish. This has been very fun. Uh, this is Anthony's today, first day at uh, Cooperstown inside the museum. I showed him about a third of it. I wanted to leave. We got our whole day planned tomorrow. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see, uh, to explore it with him uh, uh, tomorrow. But thank you guys so much for listening and we will see you next time here in the clubhouse. The home base for the clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse, located on 67 East 11th Street in New York City. If you consider yourself to be a baseball fan, then I'm assuming if you've made it this far, you must be. You have no excuse for not dropping by and checking out the fantastic baseball-inspired artwork and one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale. Mention the podcast to get a free bag tag with any purchase. The Clubhouse is produced by Zach McNeese. 
The website and logo were designed by Ronan Jora. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. That makes it easier for other folks to find our podcast. Follow the show on Twitter at ClubhousePod. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. For guest ideas, baseball stories, or just to say hello, shoot us an email at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. To learn more about the specific baseball moments we discussed on the show, pictures, and more, please visit us at clubhousepodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.